Hello and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast. This is a podcast about the church and for the church. I'm Connor and I'm here with not just Mike, but a big group of uh, guys. It's actually a special episode today. We're coming to you from Shepherds Conference. So Mike, I'm going to pass it over to you and you can uh, let everybody know what we're going to be doing today. All right, Connor, sounds good. So we are in Sun Valley, California. We are in the, the in the building of the Master's Seminary and a uh, place we love to come. And we're here at the Shepherds Conference with 4,700 uh, of our other favorite friends from all over the world. But in this room, I just want to give you a little lay of the land, what it looks like in here. We're in this really nice little lounge library thing we found off the beaten path here in a very quiet spot. We've got uh, four or five leather chairs, and we're just sitting here. So Tanner's on the tech as usual. Connor and I are here. James Holt is here. Matthew Holbrook is here. Cameron Molyneux is here. And Jim Eggert is here. So we've got uh, a good group of us in here. And so what we're going to do is, as we tee up the topic, uh, when someone speaks, they will say their name pretty much each time because there's so many people in the room, okay? So I'll even say, hey, this is Mike again, okay? So what are we talking about today? So the theme of the Shepherds Conference is shepherding the remnant. I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of what do you do when you're shepherding people that are a bit resistant, not not someone that you're running along in the Christian life with and you're going through the highs and lows and you're encouraging one another in Christ and you're going through all the things of life. We kind of know what we say and do with people in that category, which just, it's like, Nothing's wrong, but you take the things of life as you're going along and you work through issues and, and you encourage one another in Christ and you're all running along in, in Christ together. But what about the wayward? What about the wandering? What about those that seem a bit resistant and maybe, and they're professing faith in Christ, but we don't know for sure if they're part of the remnant sometimes because of, of their own words and actions. And here's what I'm thinking of, and before we kind of start passing this around, 1 Thessalonians 5. And it says this, it says, we urge you, brothers, this is verse 14, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. That's right before you see these words that are so well known, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Uh, We know something. We know that uh, only God can open a heart to the gospel. Uh, But what kind of things can we do and say with the ones that we're not quite sure if they're part of the remnant? So guys, I think you know where we're going with this. You know, we, we love people dearly. We want them to, those that are professing faith in Christ, we want them to be experiencing abundant, full, and free life in Christ, walking in victory and, and being with the church. But we know that sometimes as pastors and elders, we spend a lot of time with people that seem a bit resistant to that. So I'm just going to open it up. Uh, who wants to say something about that? What, what do you say and do um, with people in these categories and, and, and how's it working? Well, this is Matthew, um, and so Mike, yeah, you went to First Thessalonians five, which is right where I would have gone on this. Um, the part that stands out, and maybe this—I don't know how this is helpful, um, because I would say the question you're asking is one that is a struggle, 
Um, and maybe I can just outline the struggle, for me at least, even further. But it's the be patient with them all part that is particularly difficult um, in the sense that we are to be patient, I think, um, in our hearts and our attitudes towards them and how we love them, um, that we, um, we endure um, the, the challenges and the trials that come as we walk with people who may seem to be wandering but claim to be following Christ and you're struggling with that. You, you think that part of that patience is not giving up. Um, but within that, it's the wisdom of the patience that's hard. Because there are times when we need to we need to say hard things to people and push and prod and poke. And then there are times we just need to like let it play out and just be a friend and listen and care and and, and knowing what when to do each of those things is I think the hard part of this whole equation. And I think I have made mistakes on it on both sides, having been patient in the sense of not poking when ultimately maybe I should have a lot a lot earlier and then I've probably poked a, a whole lot earlier than maybe I should have in other times and so I don't know that any of that is helpful other than that's the that's the challenge is to is to know where to do that and and, um, and I guess the bottom line and where I'll, I'll kind of stop my rambling for now is um, I, I guess we don't dare even enter into that arena with somebody where we in the arena just I'm going to keep defining and I think that we, we need to keep coming back to this we're defining it as someone who claims to follow Christ but there's lots of evidences that maybe that they're not if you're going to enter that arena you have to genuinely care about the person you have to be invested so that they know you care about them and you have to be praying about it constantly um, if, if those things aren't true then there's not even you don't even have a place to start because there's no no chance that you're going to exercise the right wisdom on that on that level of patience mm-hmm. Uh, this is Jim Eggert. Uh, I just think it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to watch someone who claims Christ and is in turmoil, and their families are suffering, and their life is suffering. You wonder sometimes: Are they chosen? Are they, you know? Have they just? Did they just have the information of the gospel? But has the gospel changed their lives? And um, so we do. We invest. We love. We come alongside them. We ask the questions. The difficult part is, will they respond? How they how will they respond? Um, are they at a place where they've kind of come to the bottom and they're willing to reach out and trust the Lord? And it is heartbreaking to have people in this situation. Yeah, this is James. I was thinking too, we, as we think about discipleship and we think about disciples who, who fall away, what was it that they were holding on to before um, and wanting it, it not to be something that they held on to this because of a, a place it allowed them in the church or or acceptance it allowed them in your family, but really just continue to pray and praying for them and letting them letting them know you are praying for them that God would open their eyes, mm. that Christ would be the thing that they there that they would seek and know and understand. Uh, and and really wanting them not not to not to seek uh, acceptance and you know in that sort of sense of like in the Amish communities where they shun them and they they come back because they want the community there is there is some of those aspects as well but wanting them to know and and see and desire Christ and praying that that would be the truth that they that they are are drawn to 
so that when they do come uh, and trusting, Lord, you're going you're gonna to work. You can, you're the one who's going to change a heart. You're the one who's going to draw to yourself that they would see again that, that it's, it's God's spirit that draws them in when he does that work, when he uses those truths that have been proclaimed time and time again, those truths that they're reminded of from their youth, from their time in church, from their time with family, from their time uh, with friends, who and, and that they would see that really it's, it's Christ that they're wanting to be pointed towards, not something about a community or, or those other elements, but, but him that they're, they're treasuring. Yeah, that's good. This is Connor again. Um, I think if I could add one thing, I, I might just say... Um, I think that some of the parables of Jesus help us to just remember in terms of trying to get the broader picture in mind that we should expect always that there's going to be a mix of different kinds of people in the church. You know, you have the, the parable of the soils and you have various responses to the, the word of the gospel coming into people's hearts. You have the parable of the wheat and the tares, you know, and the idea being that there things are even growing up together. I think that's talking about the context of the world, but then you see it in the church as well, that there are people who really love Christ, and then alongside those people, there are people who profess to love Christ, and their hearts aren't actually changed. And then in some of Paul's letters, you have him talking about people that used to be co-laborers, and now they've fallen away and deserted him or fallen in love with the world, you know, thinking about Demas and and things like that. So I think that, uh, and, then, and then another thought from Paul's letters, you know, Romans 10, he's talking about the Jewish people, and he's longing that they would be saved. Brothers, my heart's, you know, prayer for them and desires that they would be saved. But that's couched in the broader context of God's sovereignty over all things, including the salvation of nations as well as the salvation of individuals. So I think that just remembering God's sovereignty in all of that, you know, and knowing that he's going to call us to shepherd some people who ultimately will reject Christ. Uh, and then there'll be others who, after a long time of that, that patience and love and prayer and challenging and admonishing, there, the, the Lord does, you know, bring them towards himself. And, and it's proved that they really do know Christ. So... That broader picture, I think, can be good to keep in mind as well. Yeah, these are all good ideas, guys. And I know, you know, one of the common themes that we're bringing out here is just how heart-wrenching this is. And even though we're not, you know, walking around crying about it all the time, we feel it internally. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I've thought about what I say and do with people that are in this state. And I've worked with so many men, especially, that, you know, profess to believe but somehow can't get there. And when I mean... They somehow can't get there. There's just no traction in the Christian life. And you wonder if they have a pulse spiritually. And literally sometimes they just can't get there, meaning they don't have a good view of the church and they don't realize their place in the body of Christ. And I, you know, I think in, in Hebrews 10, you know, a couple of years ago, this became a big deal, even more so. But the idea of not forsaking the assembly and Hebrews 10, 25, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Some people are in the habit of that but encouraging one another, obviously face-to-face. -face. And this idea that when someone forsakes the assembly, they are in essence saying, um, I don't need you and I don't want you, by their choices. Though they might not be saying those words you know, blatantly out loud. And to, to forsake the assembly literally means to persistently and consistently leave the church in the lurch and say, you know, essentially, I don't need you and I don't want you. And, and I guess I wish there was a magic bullet, but I, we know there isn't. And so here's what I want to do now, just maybe pivot on this for the last few moments of our, of our podcast today. And I'm going to pass it over to Matthew in a moment with a question. And then maybe we can bounce around the room again with answering this question. But we know only God can open the heart. We know that some have a faulty view of the faith. Some have a faulty ecclesiology, that they're not really, you know, strong on what it means to be a part of the church. 
And then even when it talks about admonishing the idle, okay, we know what it means to encourage, but what we don't want to do sometimes is admonish. And, and literally that's idea of, of cautioning someone and to reprove them gently, but warn them of something like there's a danger in not being with the gathered church. There's a danger in not being in the word and prayer daily. There's a danger in not being in Christian fellowship. So here's the question, and I'll pass it to you first, Matthew, but what are two or three good, common admonitions that you have seen work with people as God opens hearts to the truth? But what are two or three good, common admonitions that seem to have worked? Like if we could come up with a list, you know, of here's some things that someone could try with a friend or a loved one that's maybe in that state. Yeah, it's interesting how you framed that question because the first thing that comes to mind um, as to what I think is an important admonition, but I don't know that it's ever worked, at least for me, <laughs> in, in, my, in my dynamics with people, but it is saying you've got to be part of the church body. You need to be um, uh, encouraged and surrounded by and, and prayed for and prayed, praying with and singing with. And you need to be a part of the church. The problem for me, and this is this is a little bit experiential, but I'll tie it back to, to Scripture. I've been in that situation lots of times, pleading with people, be part of the church. And I can't think of any example where somebody has responded and the light's gone on and they're like, oh yeah, like I want to be a part of the church. I need to do that. I just That hasn't been part of my experience to this point. However, I would say to answer your question directly, I think we still admonish and plead and, and encourage and, and, and speak even strongly to that. Um, there's a second part to that, but we want to go ahead and respond. I want to ask you a quick follow-up on this one, because I think we can all say that. We've all like pled with people and said, you need to be a part. We know that, and, and we go, but it doesn't seem to work. But there, sometimes that same person, when they wake up, when God wakes them up to the truth, does become very, very committed to the church. Absolutely. And so... What do we know of any, can, can, can you think of any common denominators? Do they get broken over their sin? Do they have a, a, a fresh view of the glory of God in Christ? What, what do you notice? I think it comes back to the Word of God. Um, where I have seen that those corners turn is when somebody's eyes are open and they see God's Word as a lamp to their feet and a light to their path. And they're like, I cannot live without knowing what God says and, and then loving what God says and then, and then holding on to that. And I've seen that happen in, in, in multiple examples of people. One example, just at Grace, and I won't name any names, but there's somebody who would fit this description mm -hmm. and was exposed to the teaching at Grace, was angry about the teaching at Grace, rejected it all while still claiming to be a believer, walked completely away, disappeared. Later, God gets a hold of their life, turns around and says, I know at Grace Church that they're serious about the Bible. That's where I need to be. And so if, if, we, can, if we can communicate to people, um, we, we come back to just the understanding that God's word is powerful um, and that the gospel is the power of God unleashed. And we just we frame things back. One last thing, there, there's somebody... And, um, he'll probably listen to this at some point. He doesn't go to our church, but I probably met with and shared the gospel with for, I think, 17 years, probably off and on, mm -hmm. meeting in restaurants and just wrestling with every aspect of life through the Bible. 
light never went on, light never went on, light never went on, and then all of a sudden the light went on. And um, walking with the Lord today, involved in his church, married to a godly woman, raising a godly family. But um, it was because I think over time God used just framing everything in, in, in the Bible and letting that pour into life. Uh, this is Jim. I just wanted to say that uh, the admonishing is hard, the uh, confrontation is hard, but to speak the truth and then to have the people hear the truth and respond, and what a joy it is when they turn, when they turn back to the Lord, they turn back to the Word, they walk with the Lord, and you just said earlier, uh, Matt, that you know it, the fruit of those people and that they become stronger, and a couple of uh, folks in my ministry have, have turned back, and, and now, years later, after responding and being obedient to the Lord, uh, our are extremely effective people in ministry and uh, though it's hard the fruit is precious mm -hmm. yeah and thinking of those situations as well one of the admonishments I, I, I gave recently uh, to someone close was just just that as they as they struggle with their relationship with the church Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And you think of Ephesians 5.25 and that, that, that Christ loved the church. And that love wasn't because the church was worthy. That love was because he was going to present themselves as a perfect bride. And on the other side, there was, there's another where, where there's a, a doctrinal difference. And, and as you think about it, uh, they, uh, in, a, in a good place, the church... Uh, and, and looking at the scripture, even though, even though they had some doctrinal differences with a, a solid church there was evidence that that church was demonstrating love to them. And, and so on that side, it was, hey, recognize the, the fruit of, of love that you're seeing and experiencing at the church and, and follow that. You know, like that, that's, that's clear. This is Connor again. Um, just quickly for me, I'd say another area where there can be admonishment. And I was, when you said this, Mike, I was thinking of Colossians 1, 28 and 29, and we proclaim teaching and admonishing everyone with all wisdom. So there's a lot in that, right? If in the proclamation of Christ to people, there's teaching about Christ, there's an admonishment or warning, and you're doing that with all wisdom. So kind of like Matthew was saying earlier, the amount of wisdom that's wrapped up in this, it just makes you realize I need to pray, I need to ask the Lord mm -hmm. to help me to have the words and the mindset and the approach that's going to be helpful to somebody. So, But with respect to the warning, I was just thinking, there's one thing that Scripture is definitely clear about is admonitions about the danger of continuing in sin. And so um, that's very broad, but I think at times when somebody's professing to be a believer, but they're continuing in sin, that's a place to just come along and try to reason with them and say, Christ is the only one who can help you to see this, but listen to this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end leads to death. You know, And it, it, the natural consequence of the choices you're making is actually death. And I think in, in God's providence, sometimes we've seen people where, you know, and there's examples in Scripture, the prodigal son or Ecclesiastes, God's going to let them taste the consequences of those actions to the point of finally being broken and then coming to Christ. So there's different paths. Other people probably hear the word and they repent more quickly. But I think that admonishing people with respect to continuing sin in their life, we're definitely on biblical ground when we're, when we're doing that. Um, guys, I'm going to pass it back to Mike in just a second to sum us up. But before we do, anything else that anybody would like to add? Uh, to just kind of give final thoughts to this conversation. Okay, well then, Mike, let me just kick it back to you, and I think you can kind of uh, wrap this up and bring us in for a landing. 
All right. First of all, thanks, guys. This has been helpful. I know, I know these are the type of things that are on our hearts a lot, and I've been thinking and praying about this, obviously, many years, but recently especially, thinking, how can we really help? We do these things sometimes, I'm going to say this in a weird way, but sometimes solo, meaning we're dealing with it internally, and we don't usually share with many people, hey, there's this process I'm, I'm trying to go through, I'm going through with, with a, a fellow professing believer. And we say professing believer uh, because we're not fully sure where they're at. And so, you know, coming back to where we started with 1 Thessalonians 5, and where it talks about being patient with them all at the end of verse 14, that idea of being patient literally means be of a long spirit. Your spirit is long. You don't lose heart. You persevere patiently and bravely even enduring whatever comes your way as you as you bear even offenses and injuries from someone you might be trying to help. Uh, I have friends that are in the uh, you know the firefighting and paramedics and they're like, you know, sometimes we're trying to help someone and they're like fighting us off, you know, and we're trying to save their life. And I think sometimes that's true as we try to do some spiritual recon and it's we got to be mild and 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 really not avenge anything but just say, you know what? And to keep forbearing and keep long suffering here. If I had to sum up what you guys have said, I've been taking some notes. Is this is that we need to have a sincere love for every member of the flock first and foremost. Secondly, um, you want them surrounded by witnesses. You have to be a part of the local church body, and so be with the people. And and really, we need to plead with people to do that, even if we don't see much movement in that direction. And then third, I think we need to be serious about the Word of God. It is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. It is the power of God for salvation. Uh, we can't live without it. And we keep, like Matthew, talked. you talked about that person who said, at the end of the day, they're like, well, Grace Church of Orange believes the word of God. Uh, so I know I need to be there. Uh, so sincerely love every member of the flock. Surround them with witnesses. And, and, and they need to know that. Serious about the word of God. And then lastly, I'm going to put it in this category, sensitive to movement in one direction or another. Because that common refrain too was the idea that um, you know you got to be patient and persistent but you might be needing to call them to repentance and what we really want to see is the sweet fruit of you know precious repentance that God grants and um, God wants us to to care about these things I think this is something that as we shepherd the remnant and we shepherd even all those who profess faith in Christ and of course we have relationships with people that are obviously not believers and we're preaching the gospel to them and living the truth before them. The, the group that's in that wayward, wandering arena can really take a lot of time, but I think the time is worth it. I've had people tell me before, stop spending so much time with that person because they're not responding. And I have some people in mind, and I think I'm still trying, and I'm still praying, and, I, and I'm still hoping that God would do something in their hearts to, to either bring them to the knowledge of the truth or to bring them back into fellowship. So anyway, thanks so much for these thoughts. I hope it's been helpful to our listeners. And uh, Connor, I'll pass it back to you. Yeah, that uh, that wraps this one up. So guys, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. And uh, everybody listening, hope that was helpful to you. Uh, we will catch you next week. Until then, God bless you. And we hope you have a wonderful week walking with the Lord and serving Him. Have a great day. <laughs>